Hi, this is Mo Bhandari at Ortho Evidence, and I have the pleasure of having a colleague and friend, Dr. Bill Rostevsky, who is an upper extremity surgeon at McMaster University. Bill, you have some exciting news, and I know you've been working on this particular project for some time, so maybe I'll let you tell our uh, members and our community about the Drive Safe study. Uh, thanks very much, Mo. Thanks for uh, having me here today. Yeah. It's really great to be in person, too. Yeah, I know. Fantastic. How long has it been? <laughs> too long. I know, too long. It's too long. But um, oh, yeah, I'm really happy to discuss what our team has put together uh, recently, which is the Drive Safe study, which is a study that focused on distracted driving. And we looked at fracture clinic patients that were coming through for injuries and other problems through the fracture clinic and uh, did an anonymous survey looking at how they perceive distracted driving, whether they engage in it, and uh, you know what they're here for at the fracture clinic. Is it related to distracted driving? So our results, I thought, were really surprising and even larger than what we thought. So I would have said, okay, so I'm going to get you to stop there. Most of us would say, okay, you know, distracted driving, probably half the people who are driving are distracted driving. Some of you might say three quarters, but what did you actually find? What, what percentage of people self I guess, reported being distracted while driving. Yeah, it was shocking, actually. It was, I believe, 99.7%. Yeah. Everybody. Every, everybody. Everyone. everyone. I, th- I think there was 20 people out of 1,378. And they're that- liars. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think they're liars. I think they don't have any insight into <laughs> when they're distracted. Right, know? right. So, so probably, yeah, right, because so I can have a coffee, I can check my texts, and I can drive. Yeah, I'm not distracted. Yeah, yeah that's right. the funny thing. Everyone thinks they're capable of doing this. Yeah. And every single distracted driving study that we do in simulators or have looked at and stuff show that no one could do this. Interesting. Um, so... Yeah, we have an inflated sense of what we're capable of, you know, and thinking that we could multitask, which is a complete myth. And our, our brains aren't hardwired to multitask. It's impossible, actually, for humans to multitask. Okay, so let me ask you this. When we say distracted, the majority of us think, okay, we're talking about texting, right? That's the part we're checking your phone or fuddling around with your phone, right? That, that, that's what most of us would think is distracted. That's what I would have presumably thought. Yeah. But what are the other forms of distraction that you identified? And I guess the broader question would be, are they as important? Are they as risky as someone's behaviors? Maybe maybe broadly, like what are the different types of distractions people acknowledge? Yeah. So I really think um, you have to break it down, which was done uh, in previous work, that distraction is anything that diverts your attention or abilities away from the practice of safe driving. And if you think broadly, it could be divided into three things, cognitive, manual, and kind of like... Um, visual distractions, but there's other things too, auditory. And so anything that really uh, pulls you away. So that could be talking to children, yeah. you know, pressing your GPS, right? Daydreaming, which is a big one that a lot of studies have not really talked about that much. And we were able to obtain some data on that as well. But there's just, most of us at some point have found our way home and had moments really where you're blacked out thinking, I don't know how I got from my office to my home. Hundred <laughs> percent. Right. I, I think if you're a driver and you've put on enough kilometers, there has been an event where you end up in your driveway and you're like, "I do not recall the last five minutes yeah. of driving." Yeah, you know, that probably actually. happened to me driving over here, thinking about the Ortho podcast. You know? <laughs> <laughs> just because the podcast distracted. Yeah, you. probably smokes. distracted me just driving over here. You know. So. <laughs> okay, so keep going. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sorry. So you said children. Uh, you know. You, 
phones and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, coffee, yeah. I imagine. Coffee, coffee food, drinking, yeah. grooming, smoking. You know, people okay. try to read. People try to use their laptops, believe it or not. And obviously, that's a very yeah. small percentage. But yeah. talking to a passenger, okay. uh, it's kind of mixed reviews that may be protective in some instances right. and may be a distraction in some instances. Right. Bluetooth technology, anytime you're having a conversation on your cell phone, even with Bluetooth, um, you're invested in that conversation. And the person that is talking to you is not like a passenger that might see some kind of construction or something approaching. That passenger will then be quiet because they recognize this is potentially a, a, a driving danger. And they may actually just stay quiet and say, hey, watch out for that. And that might be protective. But the person that's on your Bluetooth has no idea you're going through a construction zone. And they keep on jabbering about the dishwasher being broken and you're thinking about that. And then all of a sudden someone's hitting the brakes on you. you Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. So wide, wide uh, amount and variation, what were considered distracted. Were there any factors that were more, that stood out to you more from your research in terms of either being predictive of, you know, I mean, the part with distracted driving is, okay, lots of us have, you know, Thought of the near misses, and you think, "Ooh, holy smokes, that that could have been bad," but you didn't. Yeah. And you're driving, and you get there. Did you like what? What would be the the consequences actually being in an accident, or consequences having having an injury? Did the study get to some of that? Like individuals who had maybe had injuries that reflected back, or did you have any predictors that were uh, more likely to lead to bad outcomes after distracted driving or not? Things like that. Yeah, in some sense, we did look at some of this. Uh, what we did was. After we kind of asked people about what distractions they engage in, we do have the former literature that gave us odds ratios of how dangerous those are in terms of producing a crash. Okay. So we looked at their answers and gave them a weighted scale and multiplied that by the odds ratios of the more dangerous ones and the less dangerous ones to get a conglomerate score. Okay. So everyone that was in the study got this conglomerate score and we set the median as the the midpoint and everyone below it we we labeled as distraction averse and entering above it we labeled as distraction prone yeah and it turns out that the distraction prone people were twice as likely to get into a motor vehicle crash wow due to distraction than the distraction averse and that's just dividing the group into half wow so that was that was really instructive and a little bit scary but it also maybe opened up a future door that we might be able to ask a few questions that may predict someone's risk maybe in the future you know, and kind of figuring that out so that maybe we could target education programs to people that are at high risk. So, you know, the, and we did do some regression analyses that showed some other factors that were associated with distracted driving or crashing. Right. So, for example, more likely to be distracted if you're uh, younger in age, older in age? Younger in age. Younger in age. Yeah. Are, are there any other, like, just broad yeah, predictor? So you were more likely to be in the distraction prone group, I believe, if you were a uh, younger age and had a higher household income. Hmm. And you're more likely to be uh, in a distracted driving crash if you, uh, I believe, were uh, an older age, actually, and kind of in this middle income uh, level. But some of that is a little bit flawed because you think if someone's been driving for 40 years or 30 years or 25 years, they're more likely to be in an event, even though they may be a safer driver than someone who's just starting out potentially. Just just number of hours on the road. Correct. Yeah. So, so some of these, some of these stats are kind of get like washed out in, in experience and all other things, but it definitely has been a theme in the literature where younger drivers are at more risk of being distracted. And, and it's the triple a in the, in the States, uh, did a study, I believe, where they were videotaping 
teenagers. Yeah. And they looked at all the crashes. I think they had over 1,700 of them. Now, there's some bias here. There's a camera in your car that you know about. Oh, for sure. Well, that's going to change behavior. Yeah. (laughs) This is the scary thing, though. They thought 58% of the crashes were involved with distractions. Yeah. And, and I think the stat was out of the last six seconds preceding a crash, their eyes were off the road for 4.1 seconds, which is pretty scary. Like that's, that's, wow. you're, you're blind. And, yeah, and, you're blind. Yeah. yeah. You're driving blind. Four yeah. seconds is a lot when you're at that. That's a lot. That's like, you're, you're covering multiple football fields. Yes. Yeah. Of distance in that time. Yeah. Right. So right, right. It, that, that's, that's a bit scary. And, and, you know, it just gets progressively worse because if you're distracted, you're less likely to hit the brakes. Oh, for sure. Less likely to make an evasive maneuver. So the injuries that are associated with distracted driving, there's some evidence to suggest that these are actually worse injuries, high energy injuries. And that's what really led me to this topic was, you know, like fixing people that are broken from high energy injuries. It's it. Can we make a difference or can we change it somehow? And, you know, like there's many nights where we're up, yeah. you know, like fixing open fractures, let's say yeah. from high energy injuries. And I'm like, wow, maybe, maybe if you didn't receive that text or, you know, maybe you weren't distracted, maybe you wouldn't be here in the hospital today. Absolutely. And like, having done amount, the amount of work you've done in this study, and then that just to be clear, this study comes, this study is out now, right? Early, early release at Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery. So we'll make sure we do a uh, ACE report for this and uh, get that message out to our readership as well. But yeah, thank you. But, but in this work you've been doing, you must have thought, you, certainly you have, you clearly thought deeply about this issue. What can we do to limit those distractions? The reality is you're in cars now that are built Almost in some ways, I wouldn't say they're necessarily encouraging it, but boy, oh boy, you've got the most comfortable coffee holders. Like they're encouraging you to do all these things, right? You've got you've got all kinds of dashboards that, for some cars, are more complicated than your laptop, yeah. right? You're, you're fiddling around all the time. So, how does one become distraction averse in this in this day and age? Yeah, it, it it's it's a great question. I mean, like around the world, this is causing over a trillion dollars worth of devastation every year. And that's on top of the the people that are getting injured. That's just the economic, um, you know, factors that kind of lead to that, including people that can't work anymore and have been injured so badly that, you know, they've lost their jobs and, you know, all these, you know, critical things that we sometimes take for granted. But how do you stop that? It's great. There's a lot of countermeasure research that's going on, you know, and, and some of it's pretty, cheeky maybe using the phone to try to stop you from <laughs> driving distracted like sending people messages hopefully when they're not moving oh, in right. a vehicle and, and trying to like uh, alter uh, behavior but everything's with mixed results um probably the best are the education ones where people have been educated and and shown what distracted driving can do um you know and we've done some other work on this looking at websites and videos to kind of see what the general message is out there and it tends to focus on death and the really serious outcomes, and it almost ignores injury and chronic disability. So giving people those tidbits of information, you know, saying that you can really get hurt badly and really alter your life, not only get killed or kill someone else or really hurt someone else. And that seems to resonate with some drivers in the literature in terms of like making some behavior changes, but it's variable and, you know, it's usually short-term and the long-term studies, people tend to revert. So the active measures are, are failing. The laws changing, you know, handheld device laws, you know, banning that are, are still not doing the job. So I really think we're going to have to 
probably move to some kind of passive restraint system. And, you know, and I think there's like a cognitive dissonance, truly. Like, I think there's this perception that, you know, I can do it, but, you know, that kind of stuff doesn't happen to me. Like, you know, there's this disconnect from, well, I know bad things can happen, but I'm going to justify it. You know why I'm going to justify it? Because, you know, I, I'm busy. I got a lot of stuff on the go. And I've got to grab my food because I can get to work earlier. Oh, I'm going to make myself more efficient. I'm going to have two meetings while I'm driving because I'm driving anyway. Right. I'll also have some meetings. It's this hyper, hyper societal pressure to become more and more efficient. Um, but again, in the individuals that suffer, right, you or the other person, if you're both in cars, someone gets into a, an accident, you know, yeah. you've lost every benefit of that perceived efficiency. The problem is I think we just disconnect from the reality that we are putting ourselves under a real, real risk. That's my perception of it. I don't know if that resonates. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree. It's the same phenomenon. People thinking that they could do it successfully and, yeah. and it's because I've done it and nothing bad has ever happened. But if you look like really critically at, at what's going on, um, you can't do it. Your driving definitely degrades. And, you know, um, texting carries a 23 times odds ratio risk of crashing. It's crazy. So that... That's huge. Like right. when you look at medical literature, if you see twenty three times risk increase, yeah, right. That's well, it's it's at the top of your list of things to educate people. <laughs> yeah, with, right? it's it's sure. it's mind blowing actually. And you know, so but um, but I mean, okay, so we focus on texting absolutely should be because that it is really like this full full blown distraction. But like, what about just you know fumbling around with the radio or fumbling with coffee? Like you you mentioned a bunch of odds ratios. What are some other odds ratios of things that more likely to lead to bad outcomes while yeah. driving. Yeah. What are they outside of using your phone? Which I think most of us understand. I think the orthopedic community has tried in many ways to really um, you know, promote this, even though I think we can be doing a lot more. What are some of the other things? Yeah, there's ones, I, th I think there's ones that have been discovered and there's ones that are still being discovered as okay. being terrible. And definitely the ones that have been discovered are texting, either sending or reading text or reading an email. Okay. I mean, they kind of group into the same yeah. same type of thing. And then, you know, as you go down the list of like egregious ones that can really hurt you, um, you're probably looking at handheld phones. Oh, so handheld sa phone. same yeah. type of thing, right? Now you're taking one hand off your yep. steering yeah, yeah, wheel yeah, yeah, and yeah. you're also like dialing the number or, yep. you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So you're really using, you know, all three faculties that are important, the, yeah. the cognitive, visual and, you know, you know the tactile type thing, um, yes. you know, to do that task and you're diverting yourself away. So those ones are, are typically bad. GPS is actually quite bad again because people are trying to like go over bumps and hit 46 you know yeah. you know like yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> young street you know yes, and, yes 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 and uh you're totally taking your eyes off and, and 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 even that quick checkup a lot of times it suffers from something called inattention blindness where um you're looking at the road and you may see a hazard right but your body your mind's not cognitively processing it because your thoughts are on the gps got it so that's called an attention blindness where, you, you know, if we're able to like map your retina, yeah, sure, you saw it, but you didn't really and process you know it. I've seen uh, visuals that people try to explain this where they'll show a slide which shows, you know, there's a woman about to cross the road with a dog. There's, you know, someone working. There's, you know, and then they say, okay, when you're distracted, it literally just blanks out two, three people and say, you just don't see them now. Like, this is what you see. Yeah, Absolutely. And it's almost, you think to yourself, there's no way that's happening in your head. You think, I can't r yeah. rationalize this. But that's, in, in, invariably, that must be happening, right? It must oh, be happening. Yeah, it definitely, yeah. definitely. So definitely playing with the GPS is, is another one. 
Um, so, and then the handhelds are probably the the, the top three, you know, um, handheld phones. But then I, I, when she started moving uh, from that, you know, like outer vehicle distractions, like there's a crash or fire trucks are screaming by and stuff and you kind of the old rubbernecking event. Uh, those are actually quite high as well. So you know, all these things can add up and add, add to your danger and, you know, and when you're saying you kind of get that masked out, you know, appearance and you've lost two of the three things that are hazards. Yes. When you actually look at your vision um, in terms of like your entire visual yeah. field yeah. and what actually comes into focus, the amount that's in focus is very small percentage of your entire visual field. And in fact, you may see something hazy in the corner of your eye, but you're not going to necessarily interpret that as a danger until you like directly look at it and say, oh, yeah, that is a kid crossing the street with a dog and not a cyclist going the, the same direction as me. Interesting. Right? Like, so the, that's in your periphery and people think they could map that. But when you're thinking about your GPS and looking down and then quickly just doing this, you're not allowing yourself the time to appropriately focus in on the actual dangers that are just about to kind of come at you. Or actually, it's probably the other way. You're coming at them, right? Because you're you're the one that's the danger now. There must be a compounding effect too, and I know this may not have been able to get to that. But let's just say, you know, there's the there's the odds associated with let's say you texting while driving, mm-hmm. and then there's the odds of having an accident associated with having coffee or you know listening to music or fiddling with that. Most people are multi multitasking on toggle tasking. When you're doing that, I imagine that just just completely adds more blind spots to your to your field of vision when you're driving away. Right? It, just, it has to add more risk, more and more risk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's it's surprising. In some of our other studies, like we have a category for like you know all three distractions, cognitive, you know, and different distractions happening at the same time. So yeah, the numbers look a little bit weird because your distractions end up being more than the number of people that you collected. Right, right, right. People that have more than one distraction so there's a lot of footnotes when you read an article like this because there's all that going on plus more but the message resonates with most people right most people at some point in their career or in their driving career should say i probably said oh you know i got away with this i probably shouldn't have done it and you know i haven't so when they see this you know it's it's, it's alarming but it really shouldn't be alarming pretty well everyone acknowledges just being distracted at yeah. some point and i guess the question i have for you is Okay, so you've got this paper. Um, we're trying to get the message out. Clearly, you're thinking about this problem. Um, where are you going next with this research? What are some of the other things you're doing that are complementary to this program of research in Drive City? Right, thanks. Yeah, we, we definitely looked at uh, videos on YouTube and, and the top 10 websites when you look up distracted driving and kind of saw what they portrayed from a qualitative perspective. And then they really lack the injury component and the orthopedic component. Because that's, that's my perspective, you know, like every single trauma orthopedic surgeon has operated on multiple, multiple, multiple patients that have been involved in the distracted driving incident. They just don't know it. Yeah. And uh, so so that, that was like a huge thing. So we kind of got, want to see if someone like, you know, everyone learns on the net now, right? No one's yeah. picking up books, right? You know, right. right? Yeah. So the kids are going online, you know, that are about to get the driver's license and Google and YouTube. And, and I just wanted to see what they were going to learn. And they learned a completely you know, one-sided look at distracted driving. So that was the start of it. And then getting this data from the DriveSafe uh, uh, study, and like, the end result of this is that one in three people admitted to having a distracted driving MBC in their lifetime. 
and the actual people that were coming to the fracture clinic with an injury and were drivers in MEC, one in six reported that they were distracted. And then when we took away the legal consequences, even though this was anonymous, yeah. about half the people admitted to close calls and then said they were distracted. Oh, for sure. So I think that's probably more likely the number that, yeah. that, that we're seeing. So that, that led us to the next question, which we're, we just finished the study. It's not out yet, so yeah. I'm not sure I can talk about it too much. But, uh, Maybe what's the method? Yeah, we, yeah. we wanted to determine naturalistically what is the rate of distracted driving? Because no one knows. A lot of these, these studies are from crash risk data where someone has to ask the question. In self-report, people have a halo effect, right? I know what they want me to say, I did it, but I don't really want to say it, I know the right thing to do is this. So you, you know, you're always guessing, right? and it's always an underestimate, in my mind. People, I mean, this particular is 100%, it's pretty, pretty low, but generally it's an underestimate. It is, it is. And, and so we started doing two naturalistic studies, one that was published, and we called it Red Light because we observed drivers at red lights, and, and, and basically, you know, an alarming number of people were distracted at red lights. Um, so much so that one in eight people failed to go when the light turned green. So they began to usual behind your hawk, beep, beep. Yeah, 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 yeah. And 95% of those people, or 90 to 95% of those people that didn't move were distracted. So it's, it's just huge. And that's just like one light on along their trip. Like they, they crossed 20 lights on, on the way. So like, you know, it was, it was just crazy to us that this is going on, and, and people perceive a red light as maybe a safer spot to kind of do this stuff. Well, but when it turns green, yeah, and you're not moving, the other person's barreling down, you think you're going to go. Yeah, you know, and that ends up in a rear-ended kind of thing, and it makes it look like the other person was at fault, which they still are, because they, they have to assess it, but really that person didn't go. So do you think, I mean, this is obviously somewhat conjecture in your own opinion on this, but do you think some of these, uh, you know, do you think, do you think uh, carrots or sticks work in, you know, help you know, getting people to think about it? So, no, obviously, uh, sticks in this case would be, you know, kind of big penalties for distracted driving, big, 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 big penalties, you know, the license being removed, things like that. Do you think that actually works? There's some data to suggest that it may work in, in some instances to a small degree, but there's other data that shows that it may not decrease the fatalities on the road. Yeah. So, you know, broadly speaking, it doesn't work enough, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, I think it may work on some of the people that suffer that consequence, and maybe the second round, you know, yeah, they're like, sure. oh, maybe I'm going to put this down and, yeah. you know, try to be a little bit more attentive when I'm driving. Um, but I think, I, I think, you know, we sometimes take the easy route. We don't always understand how dangerous it is, and, and people just end up doing it. So I think there has to be some element of some passive restraint happening. And then that and passive, to, in this particular case, meaning you get into your car and it somehow disables. Yeah, no, it yeah. Disables your phone or something. Yeah, but I'm not sure anyone is rushing in the industry to be the first phone no that car. can't be used in a car. The majority of the sales for cars, right? And you look at how you know, multitasking we are for them. You can do everything, yeah. right? Through your phone. You can set up your, your whole system here in your car through your phone. So it's almost like it's going in the opposite direction. Yeah. Maybe maybe autonomous driving cars will help solve Bring it. Back the Ford Model T. <laughs> Bring back the Ford Model T, right? Yeah. Prank it and just go, okay, nothing, no radio, yeah. Yeah. nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Just right. get to your destination. That's right. Well, I mean, people laugh, right? But, um, I mean, you wouldn't see a motorcyclist. I mean, there have been examples of texting motorcyclists, which is even even more uh, crazy, I guess. Oh, they don't have YouTube videos. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. most yeah. of the time, you don't. They don't have a radio. They don't have a, you know, they're not going to text. They've got two hands on the bars, and they're, and they're driving because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's even a bit more risky than having a cage around you, you know, a metal cage around you. 
Um, so you, you see things like that. People think it's odd if they see someone texting on a motorcycle, but that, like you're in charge of a 4,000-pound cannonball going down the road. Right, and I would imagine for a motorcyclist that their biggest risk isn't them banging into someone else. It's someone distracted hitting them. I mean, I imagine that they're so defensive on the road. Now, again, we're talking about the majority of cyc motorcycles who are you know, really... You know, not you know, they're not racing. They're not doing stuff like that. They're actually in a defensive posturing, I presume. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So we just need more data. We need more naturalistic data. Even when you put a camera in someone's car, as you said, our behaviors, behaviors going to change. So our our last study that we did was actually being live in traffic situations and covertly analyzing drivers when we just pulled up beside them and had a research person looking into their cabin, essentially, with their vehicle, playing and recording everything that's going on uh, manually. Yeah. No, no video recordings. Yeah, anything. So, um, but yeah, so that, that's about to come out hopefully soon. And it's, uh, it's startling. It's startling. And I think that's closest to the naturalistic driving rate that we'll get in distracted driving literature. And, and I don't think anyone has this data just yet with this degree of right. power, and it, which is over, I think, 1,100. Right. Can you speak a little bit to the funding you've been getting? Those are being supported by the Ministry of Transport as well for some of your work. Right. Yeah. The Ministry of Transportation in Ontario helped uh, um, fund that fund that study, which was uh, great. So uh, I think that that's huge because we're really lacking this naturalistic data. We don't really know what the true distracted driving rate is because it's always confounded with something else. Self reporting. Yeah. Self reporting is a huge one. So this is now data that is not self-reported and you know we just kind of like spy on people <laughs> which felt really weird to be honest I was I was, I was the, the driver, driver actually you know, in some of this just pull up sunglasses don't look at like so it was very interesting that that study is about to come out we're just finishing up a little bit of the regression and and it should come out and you know I think that that's going to be big for our team I think because I think we're going to be closest to the answer of what's truly going on on the roads and then you know the next year so to speak I think is is the countermeasure research like how do we actually change this now that we know what maybe the true rates are and how many people are affected by this and you know this isn't going to be we're going to stop distracted driving it's definitely going to be a harm reduction yeah but even a small amount of harm reduction in this space might, might, might have pretty big impacts. And we're going to get rid of the high-risk behaviors, right? I mean, yes, there's going to be stuff that happens. Yeah. The high-risk behaviors have to be really dealt with. Them. Yeah, and you can't mistake distracted driving for impaired driving or dangerous driving. That's layered on top of this. Yeah, because, like, you know, impaired is, like, you're physiologically changed or whatever because you're under the influence of alcohol or drugs, yeah. other drugs like cannabis or something. Yeah. And dangerous driving is, you know, you're driving too fast and yeah. following closely and all. And this is completely separate from distracted. So, which is like, you know, you're perfectly capable of driving fine. You're just choosing to divert your attention, you know, from the safe operation of the vehicle. So, I mean, when you add it all up together, it's, it gets even scarier, unfortunately, uh, you know, with what people are, are doing on the roads. Um, so I, some of this has to change because, like, really, like, we fix way too many people, even in our own hospital, which is a trauma center. And, you know, deep down inside me, even though it may not come out, I know a large portion of them are, are very, very preventable and, you know, didn't have to happen. Yeah. And there's, there's, I can't think of any text or message 
or GPS coordinate in my entire life that I needed to get, you know, without pulling over or I needed it five seconds, right? You know, after it arrived on my phone, like, I, you know, I've gotten a few important messages in my life, but everything could wait. Almost everything. Almost everything could wait. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's so, it's, but we're conditioned now. I mean, and I think the younger kids being more at risk in literature, at least, you know, that seems to be like an emerging theme. I mean, they're growing up with electronic social media, you know, instantaneous everything. Um, so I think they're definitely going to be more facile with their phones and stuff, and, and that, that's not a good picture, actually. That's that's a bad picture when you think about it. Well, Dr. Stassi, Phil, thank you very much, and we encourage all of our uh, members to drive safe and <laughs> read the article in the Journal of Electronic Surgery, and we'll make sure we put a link out for that. So thanks so much for the time with us today. And, and we're going to have you back when we get the other study that's uh, particularly fascinating about that. All right, thanks. Thanks, thanks. Right, Cheers.